Jen and Lindsay. How are you doing today, Jen? I'm doing well, Lindsay. How are you? Oh, hanging in there. May is just out of control. It really is. It's my favorite month because my birthday's in this month and my daughter Evie's birthday and it's like spring, but God, it gets crazy, doesn't it? It's like, it does. I saw someone say it's like um, May-sember or something like yeah. that. It feels yeah, like-, like comparable to December. And I would agree with that. Like it's wow. just, it feels like every day there's a laundry list of things to do. And with school does um, the alphabet, like every day is a different letter for the last 26 days of school. And like this morning was junk food day. And I like saw it on the calendar and I went, Jeremy, you can't go to the last year. We can get some junk food. And I'm like digging through the pantry to try and find junk food that he can take in. I can't with these days because I think Evie's going to have the same thing. I'm hoping it's just like a week though. I don't know how you're doing 26 days of that because I, I'm i like the worst mom. <laughs> like I will not send you're my not. kid in PJs. I will not send my kid with the appropriate food or money in their book bag. Like I already have too much going on. Yeah. <laughs> you're it. not. On Friday, it was hat day and I got to go in and read to Wit's class and I was going to wear a hat and then last minute decided that I looked really weird in a hat and <laughs> didn't want to. I also couldn't see the book because of the bill. So it was like covering and my mm. glasses were put, it was just a mess. And I walked into the classroom and none of like Wit's um, intervention class had hats. And in Jen and Ed, <laughs> there were three kids who had hats on. So then I felt right. better. It was like, okay, good. Like I'm not the only parent who's not because Wit will only wear winter hats. Yeah. So and it was 80 degrees on Friday. So we're not wearing winter hats in 80 degree weather. I know this weather has been just gorgeous. I'm You're just lucky. Last Friday it was really great. And then last night we had Vivi's soccer game and it was pouring down rain and like the temperature Ooh. dropped like 15 degrees from start to end. And I was the I was the parent at that game. Jeremy gets the sunny games and I get the ring. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm giving him a play-by-play of like how awful the weather is. And he's like, okay, weather man. And I'm like, I am. It's awful out here. It's I did the rainy. Did the flying pig 10K on Saturday. That was my yeah, birthday. Yeah, how did that go? You know what? It was probably my worst. I was, I'm so glad I did it on Saturday because on Sunday, the marathon day, that I usually yeah. run on because I usually do a relay, um, it thunderstormed. And it was like, they had to delay it. Everybody got super soaked. I would have just been like, peace out, I'm not doing it. So it's good that I did it on Saturday, but um, I felt bad while I was running. <laughs> and so I'm like, boo, I mean, I finished. I, I did a pretty good time for me. Um, but yeah, I just was like, I'm getting out of here afterwards. Usually I stay down there and like enjoy the whole day, but, but then it was my birthday. So then I went home and then we went out and, um, had a fun night with my friends. So oh, good. Well, happy belated birthday. Hey, thanks. You know, 42. You don't look 42. I feel 42. <laughs> well, you don't look it. So that's all that matters. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, I was going to tell my funny Jack story. Yeah, It was, it was funny because, um, 
his sense of humor is just getting better and better. Uh-huh. And it's kind of one of those things for both of my kids. Like I kind of worried when Jack was little, like, is he going to have sense of humor is like really important to me. Like that's basically yeah. the reason I married Chris. It's the reason like I pick all my friends, like you have to have a sense of humor. And, um, his sense of humor is just getting funnier and funnier. And he was every day, almost every day, he takes a bath and then um, he does everything himself. I just basically like sit outside to make sure like he's still breathing in there, you know, cause he yeah, has epilepsy. He doesn't have a seizure. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, he's 12 and he's like humongous. Like he's like a man, like a little man. So I can't, I don't go in there anymore, but I can hear the splashing. So after he's done, he's like in his bedroom, getting dressed and I walk into that bathroom and it is just insane. Like the floor has like an inch of water. And I'm like, Jack, are you kidding me right now? Like this, you just splashed everywhere. And he was like, I just hear him from the other room. He goes, yeah, I was living my best life in there. (laughs) And I start laughing and I'm like, Jack. And I like have to stop laughing. And I'm like, no, seriously, dude, you gotta come clean this up. And he was like, mom, Let's just blame puberty and move on. Gosh, he's the best. So of course I'm just like, I can't even even talk at that point because I'm laughing so hard. And it's just the tone and everything about it was just Uh so perfect. And I'm just like, you know, he's blaming puberty on like everything now. I think we went a little bit too far in the book that he read and all the things that I like, well, it, you know, it's puberty, puberty's hard. Now he's just like, anything he's like you know making a mess or won't get on the bus or you know says something it's it's puberty sorry you know puberty's got a hold on me to teachers yeah he said oh my gosh that's even better oh yeah so my kids are just both and evie's hilarious i mean we know know. evie is one of my favorite people i always love it when she's home and she gets on the zoom with us and like makes comments it's one of my favorites it makes my whole day yeah I gotta tell more Evie stories because she's just a trip all the time but well I your too, kids? Go. they're good they're crazy uh I had Vivi's soccer game last night and she dances the whole time like she wants to teach everybody her dance recital dance she's pretty sure our neighbor who's one of her coaches would love to learn her ballet and he's nice. like a man like we see him running he's just no, he doesn't want to learn Vivi's dance at all. And um, then uh, she also wants to try. So she lo- she wants to be a part of soccer, but she also really loves dance. So she thinks that they should be together. Sure. So last night she was goalie and I have a solid minute video. I can text it to you of her dancing while somebody's trying to score a goal on her and she does not stop. She does not break. <laughs> it's just her doing it. So then they pull her out as goalie because everybody has to play the a position during the game. And she's standing there and she um the little boy that she's standing with is very good. And so he's on defense and he runs and he scores on this other team and then he walks back down. But Vivi, like when the action was around her, she stepped away and had her hands on her hips and she's telling people how to play. Like she's like coaching them. So this little boy like comes back and he's standing there and he looks at her finally and goes, what were you? You're supposed to help me. And Vivi without missing a beat goes, I was standing right here. Like, what do you want from me? Like, I'm sorry. You wanted me to touch the ball? Like, 
I'm too busy showing you my jazz hands. Yeah, there's actually kicking balls in this sport. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like I thought I was here to do my <laughs> run dance. There's a I got I'll send you this video too. Like at one point I zoom in and she's going, like she looks <laughs> frightened and the ball like goes past her and then she goes, ooh, like <laughs> I didn't have to do anything with that ball. Did you see me? Like the ball almost. <laughs> Yeah, the ball almost came near her. Like every now and then she'll make contact with it and she's so proud. But for the most part, like she like just steps aside and you can hear her coach saying, get in there, do it. And I'm just like, I can't even yell. Like I'm not, no. It's funny because have you seen that viral video of the little girl playing baseball and she hits the ball and then she like is running to first and she does a cartwheel? Uh Uh-huh, yeah. On the way to first. Basically Vivi. I know that's going to be Evie like she's playing baseball right now but she's like obsessed with gymnastics and dance too and so Uh we're going to be seeing some um, gymnastics out on that field. I'm sure she's going to do a back handspring some (laughs) jazz hands. With like a big helmet on. Uh (laughs) What are you doing? Oh man. So I don't know about you, but my kids can never find their shoes in the morning. Like it's absolute chaos. So Jeremy was helping Vivi find her shoes and Whitman gets really close to me and his, he hasn't liked the bus lately because he's realized that Vivi gets to ride in the car to school and he would much rather have that luxury. So for like the last week I get woke up whatever time Whitman gets up by him standing over me going, Hey, car. And I'll go, no bus and it's become a thing so this morning he's not an affectionate kid you gotta ask him for affection so like women is it okay if I give you a hug like can I have a high five kind of a kiss like things like that and unprompted he runs up and he hugs me so I get down on his level and I'm like oh buddy thank you mommy really needed that because the stress of finding your sister's shoes has sent me over the edge yeah that's sidebar. Anyway, so um, he is giving me this really big hug. And then all of a sudden I'm like at his level and he gets right in my face and he goes, I go car and walks away. <laughs> and it sounded like very like a mobster just with his apraxia. He's got this like deep, slow voice, which I love. Yeah. And I'm like, no, you're going to ride the bus. And he winks at me and he goes, I car and walks out the door. He got on the bus, but I go car and you want to honor the communication but you also want to give him that independence like that's why we have him riding the bus because we want him to have independence but he's still going to do his best with uh getting you to his negotiation skills like yeah I know you said that like you hoped your kids had a sense of humor I always prayed that my kids laughs would be funnier than punchline so when women was in the NICU like that is what I held on to like god if we make it through this like I need my kid to have a laugh funnier than the punchline and a great personality oh, and I women has those. like he he has that and I love it but he's like starting he's realized that Vivi can negotiate things and he's yeah. very aware of that so now like that's his thing he sits down and he goes car nope bus oh. <laughs> car no sorry bus and I'm gonna then, throw like, a hug like, in there real quick and then I know like mom you. mom loves a good hug mom loves it when Vivi hugs her and she always seems to say yes after Vivi hugs her and I'm like nope bus oh car <laughs> oh it's a good thing they're cute I'll tell you what I know <sighs> I say that a lot 
I say that a lot, especially with the five-year-old. Five has been, for both Wit and Vivi, five has been the hardest age. And I know it's probably going to be harder, but five has been the oh yeah, hardest. I'm just like... It's tricky. It is. We're 11 weeks away to six for Vivi. And I'm <laughs> counting down the <laughs> I know. Evie's birthday's in a couple weeks. She's going to be 11. And I'm like, oh my seeing so much maturity in her. And she's just a joy right now and I'm like I want this to last forever until puberty <laughs> begins for her because I know that's going to be like torturous for us mm-hmm. so I'm just like let's stay in this fun little phase of her just being as cute as can be and also talking like the a teenager. <laughs> uh-huh. but anyway I was um I wanted to talk to you today uh-huh. about some things I've just been like rolling around in my head um okay. as, as we advocate for some kind of complex things so yeah. I've been helping some families advocate for better summer camp opportunities mm-hmm. um, especially for kids who are um being left out which I don't know if a lot of people are aware just how many kids um and it's the kids that like need the summer camp the most and the moms who need the respite the most yeah. who are getting left behind. And it's, you know, it was happening prior to COVID, um, but it's happening exponentially worse now. And especially mm-hmm. with our crisis and care that we have um, and people just, not, we just don't have enough people. Yeah. Um, it's really getting sad. And it's been making me think a lot about kind of the directions we're going on, you know, care and where our kids go. And I'm, it's been bothering me. And then the other thing is subminimum wage. Um, we're going to have a um, subminimum wage bill um, drop here probably in the next few weeks. I'm pretty excited about it um, because we have a federal law um, that's, um, up at the federal level that we advocated for a few weeks ago in DC. And um, I think that that's getting some traction, but I would also want Ohio to just go ahead and take care of this because um, several states have and mm-hmm. people with disabilities in our state today in 2023 are still getting paid sub minimum wage. And it's complex, you know, it's. Yeah it's not an easy one because of the care crisis we have. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of families um, are saying we need to make sure we've got the care right before we do this because they're scared. They're just scared. What's going to happen if we get rid of this? What if these places don't transform into competitive integrated employment like they're supposed to with the grant funding that, you know, these bills would allow? What if these places just shut down? because they can't find the help. Right. And what's gonna happen to my kid and what's gonna happen to their day program and my kid likes this and um, it's tough. And I think, I just wanted to get your take on like basically advocacy in general for things mm-hmm. that are complex like these things. Yeah. Because I tend to be very balanced about things just because I've got two very different kids with disabilities. I do not have um, a typically developed um, child. I only have two neurodivergent kids. 
So I kind of live in this space where they're kind of leading me on like all my values, all my principles on disability rights and inclusion come from them and what I learn from them. And so I see kind of some other advocates out there, you know, grab onto an issue and just run with it without any balance to their advocacy, without like seeing both sides. And I think that's where these bills go to die because we can't. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? I agree with that. Like, I mean, my first round of parenting, I have a neurodivergent kid. So I'm not, and I'm, I'm never going to be an expert in parenting. I just kind of roll with it because I have two very yep. different kids, but um, no, I would agree with that. And at least with my advocacy, and I don't know if you're like this, but with my advocacy, I like to hear both sides. Like I need to hear, like, I want to hear the school side and I want to hear the parents' side. And I yeah. want to be able to come together and figure it out because somewhere in the middle of the school side and the parent side is the truth. Yep. So, and I feel that way about um, bills that I want to back and all that. Like I want to hear one side and this side and figure it out. And I always like, the summer camp thing breaks my heart because I know for us, like there are a few hoops for women to jump through to go to a specific summer camp. Mm -hmm. And there are hoops that like are super, would be super easy for like a normal family, like to be able to do. But for us, like something like that, we have to plan like weeks in advance for what needs to get done for him to go to camp. Like we can't just go in on a Tuesday and get it handled. Like it's very much a uh, issue. So we're like rethinking our whole, like we had planned on a certain summer thing, got it all set up. And then that like final hoop, we're like, we don't have the, we don't have the time to do that. Like, and I feel bad as a parent, but that's just how we are. And yeah. slowly seeing like I mean like you and I probably need respite like and deserve you it think? Feel, yeah <laughs> yes yeah so, I think a lot I mean, of parents kind of go um they they see an issue and they really want to make sure that their kids they they fix this issue for their kids yeah. mm-hmm. and I completely get it And I think that they see other people in the field and they try to like get the support um, on that issue and they're just off and off to the races. What I worry about is when we're advocating and we're like the curiosity of like actually figuring out like creative solutions and like what may work and what like sounds great in theory, but just practically will not work. Right. Like, what are we missing there? And I guess maybe I spend too much time in that space sometimes. um, And I kind of get lost in like the curious space. And I tend to overthink and overread and look at what other states are doing and look at what. Which I don't think is wrong. Like, I think that looking and seeing what other states are doing and like, I do that too, just to figure out where I stand on an issue. Because I think that, you know, like, how is it working for this state? Like, how could Ohio make it better? How could we, in like the federal government, make it better? So it works for, 
everybody. I think that, I don't think that that is a bad thing. I think that that's just being knowledgeable and trying to find it all the way around. Yeah. Yeah. I just, the other one was, there are some things, I guess I get my advocacy from self-advocates from people with disabilities who are advocating for themselves and for others with disabilities. And they're the ones where I just hand, the microphone is theirs. Like they yeah. need to be doing it and I learn from them, but I, I can't take as hardcore of a stand as they are. I'm happy that they're taking that stand, mm -hmm. but my stand has to be a little more curious and balanced because yes. I'm a parent and not a person with a disability. Right. But I don't ever want people to think, well, she's not fighting as hard because I'm always fighting, you know, right. I'm just trying to actually like get this done right. <laughs> and like bring everyone with me. Because one of the things I feel like we do is we leave people behind and we mm -hmm. leave them and the people that get left behind live in fear. And that fear is very powerful. It makes you a really powerful advocate. It makes you relentless. Mm -hmm. It makes you being scared, um, makes you just nonstop. And it actually puts you in like a even more uh, hard place to advocate, but very, but people listen to you. So what I've noticed in those sub-minimum wage uh, meetings is everyone's trying to collaborate. And then all of a sudden a parent of a child who's older and the parents probably in their seventies is scared out of their mind that they're not going to have a place for their child to go. And that meeting is now run by that person because that person's coming from a very scared place. They're speaking in terms of fear. Mm -hmm. And I just saw a room full of representatives and people that run nonprofits just stop and listen to that person. And I'm like, wow, look at the power of that person's yeah. statement. Now, that person, like to me, we have completely opposite views. Right. But look at the power that they have in that meeting. And it's and it's right. it's because they're speaking from that place. Now, I don't speak from that place, but I want to make sure that I'm not leaving those people behind because mm -hmm. of how powerful they become when we leave them behind. Right. So that's what I think about when we are leaving out parents who send their kids to summer camp and then summer camps are like, no, we're not taking your kid anymore because basically we don't have to like there's enough right. kids coming through here right that we can be picky and choosy and they basically lose all of what that camp was like developed for mm -hmm. like these camps are developed by moms like us who are like we have nowhere else to go right you know and so then they set up they form these camps or form nonprofits, and all of this mm -hmm. was formed by parents and right. when they do that, I don't think the intent was ever to get to a place where they could start to leave people out. I think the intent is always inclusive, right? And so right. I think if you're gonna be fully inclusive and keep our disability community together, we have to make sure we're coming from a balanced, curious, open-minded. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I 100% agree. Like, I think that it breaks my heart that you've had to do that for parents that there are summer camps are turning kids like ours away. Like, yeah. 
Well, and you know what it is too that bothers me is there is a process, and this is true for summer camp and any kind of respite setting, and it's true for the subminimum wage bill. There's a process that actually takes place in reality where there's a valuation of a person happening. So like you take your kid to summer camp and somebody looks at your family and your kid, either from the information you give them or from actually like observing your child. And they're saying, what is the value of this child to our camp? Mm -hmm. And when you talk about subminimum wage, the same thing happens. You go to a place and they say, how much is this person worth in terms of employment? Are they worth? That makes me sick. Like I can't, like I can't imagine that. I just, I can't imagine somebody looking at women and being like, sorry, you're worth $3 an hour. That's right. And thinking about, you know, what else gets lost is the history of people with disabilities in our country. And, and it, in terms of these kind of summer camps or respite places and in terms of just basic employment and like labor laws, not even having to do with disability, but like the reason there is a minimum wage is to protect laborers during the great depression is, you know, they basically came up with the minimum wage saying, this is the minimum that we think someone could live on and still be like a valued employee. And when you think about that history of that, and then you think about how it's used when it comes to people with disabilities, you can only say they're not full citizens then. Because if we're not gonna treat them like a valuable citizen and give them all the rights of our government, then they're really not citizens. And then how is that possible in our country and in the state of Ohio where we're not really thinking of people with disabilities as full citizens. And it's just another, you know what it is? It's ableism. It's ableism. And I don't think we talk about it enough. I think we talk a lot about racism and sexism and um, being uh, anti-LGBTQ, anti-trans right now, which are Mm -hmm. all we should absolutely be talking about these things. Um, we leave out the ableism because I still think we live in a culture where we like, most of us are ableist. And I mean, I think we're all doing a little bit of that mm-hmm. in our everyday lives. Like I noticed it when I was at uh, the Down syndrome um, in DC at the Down syndrome conference. and people with Down syndrome are speaking, um, like leading the conference, it was Mm -hmm. phenomenal. But I mean, I even I kept thinking, wow, Evie, if she can get to this where she can like advocate for herself and, you know, come to DC and just like be independent and like, look at all these things. It's such a great, and I mean, it's truly human as a parent to like want those things. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but Evie's valuable no matter if she can get to that or not. Mm-hmm. whether she could speak at those meetings and articulate what she wants to say or not. So sometimes I even become a little too, ooh, she's getting close to neurotypicalness. Like she can do a 
cartwheel just like all the other kids in our class like mm-hmm. and I feel very like excited and I almost want to post that to Facebook and be like look what Evie could do and then I stop myself and think well I mean yeah is it cool am I excited for her as a parent absolutely but what am I saying when I say I never thought she could do this and look at her now she can do it like just like everyone else what am I saying about my values and what 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 her like value is as a person I worry about that like what do you think about that I think that there's a fine line and I'm with you on that like I want women to be able to tell people and stand up for the for his rights like the rights that he wants and so I have like with advocacy I want to be able to help parents find their voice to help their kids like that is my goal because I don't have a disability and I never ever ever want somebody to be like well, we can't use her. She is an ableist. Like that's my big, that's the line that I have chosen to walk. And with Whitman, like we know that there is going to be no cure for autism and we are never, ever pushing for a cure. At one point they thought Whitman was deaf. And I reached out to a girl that I went to college with because she married a man who was deaf. And I asked her, I started asking her all these questions and she came back like a couple of days later and she's like, Hey, I told my husband about our conversation and he just wanted to say, thank you. Like, if this is the road that you have to go down, like you are pretty much like not making the call. Like the big thing for us was we had made the choice that Whitman would be old enough to make the choice for cochlear implants. Like we weren't going to jump to that because research had shown that some people don't some in the heart of hearing community do not want cochlear implants and you know what if jeremy and i have to stay up until two in the morning and practice sign language to each other and only sign like that's the family we were going to be and um so that was like that is something that we have picked and taken very much to our core when it comes to whitman's iep we can set goals for Whitman and his IEP all day long. And at the end of the day, I mean, he has every right to pick a goal. So that is something that we started in first grade was let Whitman pick a goal. Like this past year, it was two PEs instead of um, library. He does not like the library. Yeah. But um, for all of that, like, things like that. Like, that's what we are choosing to do as parents. Like, we just, we want to be able to give women the tools to be successful. And it, he gets to define what is successful to him. So one of the top things that we always say, always say to our kids, like Vivi last night at soccer, I mean, she had a couple of good plays and she was talking about them. And I said, are you proud? Are you proud of those goals? Like, are you proud of that? And she said, yes. And I was like, awesome. If you are proud of what you are doing, then we are proud of you for what you are doing. And I think that that's like how we are setting it up for Whitman. Like you could tell when he is proud of himself. And so yeah. also in EI, that was my hardest thing was like picking a goal. Yes. for Whitman Cause I'm like, Same. what, what goal would he want? Like, I don't know what goal he would want. And as he's getting older and we are able like it is night and day with his behaviors because we bring him into it. So I think that that's how, how I feel about it is that I want to give Whitman the tools 
but I'm not going to force women to stand up in front of 250 people and tell a story if he at the end of the day he doesn't want to and I don't want like the neuro the neurotypical for women that like that ship sailed and it was a grief process that we did in kindergarten and we're okay with that like we are we are fine with that like this isn't women's story is never meant to be a sad story it's meant to be one of hilarity at the fact that he wants to ride in the car and every morning (laughs) it's car he hides his ipad at school and plays jokes like i can tell at some point a hilarious story of the day that Whitman hit his ipad at school and somebody thought that Whitman ran away and they had like the security guard and the principals and all it was was Whitman hit his ipad and Jeremy was trying to find it (laughs) was safe in the car like playing a game the car was pulled up in front of the school like it's but I mean like we have fun stories like that and we think the person who thought that Whitman was missing we thank them over and over again because there could be a time where he is actually missing and we are going to want somebody to act like that on our behalf while we are trying to like come around but you know like we have we have all of these things. And I think that I just want women to always know his worth. And I think in our world to put a number on that with 14 C sucks as a mom. Like, I want him to live his best life. And so. you know, you're doing it where you're like, I feel like some of the, like what we're supposed to do as parents, like our job is just to like help make more room for them to just exist. Yeah. Like, that's why I feel like even with um, like putting, uh, making sure that we have to have a person with a disability on all county boards um, yes. is another piece of the budget and um, something that self-advocates worked tirelessly to get in that budget and to convince Governor DeWine to put in his proposed budget. It's in there, but they're messing with it. And I, I know why they're messing with it because well, I mean, I don't understand it, but I I don't think anyone wants to make the room. Like the this is where these are the seats at the table and we're not willing to make some room for a person with a developmental disability and the only reason you wouldn't want to is if you don't think that person has value on that board. Right. But who is more important to make room for? Like any board that talks about disability, if the word disability comes out of your mouth at your board meeting, no matter if you're on a, in a company or a nonprofit or a county or state level, national level, right. if you're talking about it, there should be a person on that board who has a developmental disability or an intellectual disability because of the very fact that they are valuable, their opinions valuable, just their being present in the room changes the conversation because people are, I've seen it where there's a room full of people uh-huh. trying to make policy and there's no right. one with a disability in that room. And so people feel okay just to say whatever they want. Right. And it always gets gross when there's not a person with a disability in the room because yeah. that point of view isn't there. There's no perspective taking, there's there, there's no empathy and you're doing a good job, Lindsay, of making room for Whitman 
And I hope that I'm doing the same thing for my kids. Oh, you definitely are. You definitely are. That Evie, she's going to change the world. (laughs) And you've given her the tools to do that. I hope so. You have. I think this was a good talk. I want to keep talking Uh about things like this. And I hope if you're listening to tell us, like email us, um, comment on our pod, you know, subscribe. Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, podcast, ARC podcast. Is that what you said, Lindsay? I think it's the ARC podcast. Give us a call. Um, email me at the ARC if you disagree with me. That would even be better because I would love to just hear from you and have a good conversation about it. I love a good debate. Yeah. And if, yeah. I come from a really balanced, um, like I'd rather mediate than have conflicts and I like hearing everyone's point of view so thank you for listening to the arc of Ohio podcast with Lindsay and Jen and subscribe and follow and we will talk to you next time see you guys later thanks